What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony, and I want to welcome all of our lovely, beautiful listeners. Welcome, my Truth family. Today, I'm going to dive right into it. We're continuing our series called Enthroned. I think that's a freaking awesome name, honestly. Enthroned. My friend, you as my brother, as my sister in Christ, you and I, our position, our address in the spirit, which is the ultimate reality, which is the truth, that which is seen is subject to change. It is temporal. It is temporary. But that which is unseen is eternal. Your address, my address in the spirit, the truth is that we are seated at the right hand, not just of God, of God, your own father. You know, me and Trevor watching, I would highly encourage you. It's a great movie. You can find it on YouTube. It's called The Book of Daniel. It was a great movie. Um, it, it was really awesome. And it was well, like, like the director did an awesome job talking about Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, and it was just phenomenal. And as I was watching it, the Lord was ministering to me, but something very, like something clicked. I don't think that we realize that God is not only our God, but we have been, the Bible says in Romans, we have received not the spirit of bondage onto fear. You and I have received the spirit of sonship. In the Old Testament, you had Daniel, you had all these wonderful men, which we will see in heaven. You had Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and they were servants of God. But we are sons. We are family. God is your father. And that is the name that Jesus came to unveil. In the New Testament, we can worship God in reverence and say Yahweh and, you know, all these wonderful names. But the name, I want you to focus on this, the name that Jesus came to unveil to you and to me is God as our Father, as our Father, as our loving Father, our Father who takes care of us who hugs us, who kisses us, who lavishes us with mercy and grace and good and every perfect gift. God is your father. God is my father. He's not, he's, he is the creator of the heaven and the earth. But nonetheless, to you and to I, he is our father. He is a good father. And sometimes I feel like it's hard to comprehend that because... If you grew up in a home where maybe you had, you know, a rough upbringing, I understand. So sometimes it's very hard to see God as a loving father, especially if you grew up in a condemning home, in a home full of fear or anxiety or anger and all these things. And it's, it, it's this is the journey of Christianity is renewing the spirit of our mind. That's what it says in Ephesians. So that's a beautiful segue to our introduction, our appetizer for today, the proverbial wisdom, the wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 23, verse 7. I want to focus on the first half. You might have heard it before, but I want to break this down in a different level. And it's going to get deep really quick. So I want you, even before we begin, let's pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let's pray in Jesus' name for your father, for my father, to quicken our hearts, to enlighten us, to open our eyes in the same exact way that Jesus opened the eyes of the two disciples walking on the way to Emmaus. Their eyes were open and they beheld Jesus. We ask right now in Jesus' name for God, our Father, to open our eyes. Let us see Jesus. Let us know him. Let us behold him. Let us understand. Let us comprehend in Jesus' name. So Proverbs 23, verse 7, the first half of this 
scripture. I'm reading out of the old school King James Version. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. I like this one a lot. The English Revised Version says, For as he reckoneth, as he reckoneth within himself, so is he. That sounds awfully familiar in the book of Romans when the Bible says, Reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin. The Bible says in Romans, Reckon yourself. What is, I mean, no one really uses reckon unless, you know, maybe you're in the southern border of Texas. I reckon so. What does reckon mean? Reckon means consider it so. Why? Because it's not? No. Consider it so because it is so. Reckon yourself dead to sin because that is the reality. Consider it so. Reckon yourself dead indeed to sin, the Bible says. Consider yourself dead. Consider the old man dead. Consider that you have been resurrected with Christ. Consider, reckon it so. Realize it. Actualize it. Make it a make it your present reality because it is the reality. And we were watching um, Elf the other day, and it's such a funny movie. There was just one part that the Lord <laughs> that the Lord uh, ministered to me, and it's it's talking about this. If you watch it, if you haven't, so this guy thinks he's an elf or whatever, right? He thinks he's an elf. So in his mind, he believes. Because what is Christianity? Christianity is not right doing. Christianity is right believing. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Rec as you reckon yourself, the way that you see yourself is what you will manifest in your life, in other words. So the ultimate responsibility of a shepherd is for me to preach to you not legalism, not laws, not don't do this, not commandments. The ultimate responsibility as a shepherd is for me to preach to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, your reality, the truth, your identity in Christ, the finished work of Jesus. Because when you and I see the truth, who we really are, then we begin to believe, we begin to think this way. And as we think, everything else falls in line. So we were watching Elf, and then this guy thought he was an elf. So they took him to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, you know, just take care of him, nurture him, and then what's going to eventually happen is that he is going to wake up to the reality, and he'll shake this off. My friend, I submit to you that this is the Christian walk. What do you mean, an elf? No, no, no. Listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> the Christian walk is, as I preach to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, which we're studying in Ephesians, Awake thou that sleepest, arise, and Christ will give you light. The walk in Christianity is I preach the truth and you your eyes become awakened. They become open to your identity, to who you always have been. Just like in that movie, you know, you nurture him and he'll wake up and realize the reality and shake off this costume. And I'm asking and I'm, and I'm praying in Jesus' name that we as the body of Christ, we would wake up to the reality that it has been finished, that it has been accomplished, that we have been made kings and priests, that we have been made the righteousness of God, that we have been made new creations, that everything has become new, that our old man has been crucified with Christ, that we died with him on the cross. He died for us, and yet he died and we died in him. And he died as us. So we were buried with him. We were resurrected with him. And now your address is you have 
Ben, the Bible says he has made us sit down together in heavenly places. And this is the reality. And this scripture is such an amazing scripture in Proverbs 23 verse 7 is because far too many times, something practical, far too many times if there is a bad habit in our life, what I've come to understand is that when a bad habit arises, we try to do something about it. Well, yeah, Anthony, right? But listen to what I'm saying. When we do that, when, when a bad habit arises, when something of the flesh arises, and we try to do something about it, and we engage we consider it that it's alive, we fall. Why? Because we're proceeding from a false premise. You see, let's say, for example, let's say if fear starts to arise in your emotions, the ultimate objective for you to fall is this. Fear arises. Then you begin to Consider yourself as a fearful person. You begin to give it weight. And best believe that whatever you focus on, you empower. So you have to understand that God himself is in the faith realm. The enemy is in the flesh, the scene, the feelings, the senses, the sight. So when a feeling comes up, the Bible says you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. So if a feeling of fear comes up and you give it weight and you begin to want to do something about it, you begin to become, a, then, then that turns into an obsession. You become obsessed with it. You fall. Because that is not the truth. The truth is that you are a new creation in Christ. The truth is that you have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind, a healthy mind. The Bible says, but we have the mind of Christ. So the ultimate goal to get you to fall is for you to start to believe what you feel, what you see, what you sense, what you see in your account, what you see in your emotions, what you see in your relationships, because that is the false identity. That's identity theft. And the Christian walk is by faith. So the truth is this, is that we're not in the flesh, we're in the spirit. So though those emotions may rise up, the way that you win the battle, because the battle has been won, but I don't have any other way to put it. But the way that you will win this battle with those feelings of fear, of rage, of lust, of uh, depression, of insecurity, of envy. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin, of doubt. Whatever it is, the way, that, the way to overcome sin is not by effort, but by revelation. Because the more effort we exert, the more deeper in the hole that we get. Because by working to fight against those feelings, to fight against those sins, because listen, the Bible says that we are dead to sin. So when those feelings of sin arise, and if we fight against it, what are we saying? On one hand, one corner you have God, who is the truth. You have Jesus, who is the truth. Jesus says, Dre, you are dead to sin. You're dead to that feeling. So, But in your emotions, the depression, the rage, the lust, the anger, the envy, the everything comes cries out. And you're here. What, what and who will you believe? The Bible says he is the father of lies. So this is, the, this is Christianity, is truth. The truth will make you free. The Bible says the truth, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. The, it doesn't say you will be set free because you are free. You are dead to sin. Your old man has died. You see, the, and this is hard to 
comprehend with the natural with the natural mind because it's like what do you mean I'm I'm dead? Do you realize that the Bible says don't call anyone on earth your father? Because you have one father who is in heaven. Wait a minute, a minute. The Bible says in in Isaiah, consider from where the consider the rock from where you were cut from. Call no man on earth your father, for you have one father who is in heaven. It's you see, everything in Christianity is about identity. Because far too many times I've fallen into this trap so many times. Feelings will rise up, be it of fear, of bitterness, of anger, of rage, whatever it is. And we, because as the human instinct is to fight or flight, our natural instinct is for us to fight against those feelings. And we think we're being noble, but then we fall. But the ultimate key of winning the battle over and again, the battle has been won, but I have no other way to explain it. But the key to winning the battle over these feelings is reckoning yourself that you are dead to, to those feelings. You're dead to sin. So when those feelings come up, what, what, for example, if you go to a cemetery, Dre, and let's just pretend you are, again, <laughs> this is a weird illustration, but let's pretend you are a, a little devil sent from the enemy to irritate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just just stick with me. And we, we go to a cemetery, right? And then you start to pester because the Bible calls the devil the Lord of the flies. So you start to pester that dead person that is in the grave. You start to rebuke him. You start to say, hey, you should be afraid. Hey, you don't have any money. Hey, uh, what about this? What about the climate? What about the stress? What about your kids? What about money? What about this? What about that? And you start to pester that dead man. Question, will that dead man react? Will the dead man get up out of that grave and start to bind you? Will he start to bind you? Will he start to rebuke you? Will he start to give you attention? Or is that person dead? He's non-responsive to you. He's not going to respond to you. In the same exact way, we are dead. The Bible says in Colossians, we are dead in Christ. For indeed, you did die. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 says. So when a pestering fly comes to attack you, be it from your flesh, be it from the enemy, when those pestering feelings, when those pestering emotions of rage, of insecurity, of depression, of lust, of all these things, when they come to attack you, uh, if since you are dead, you are what? You are not responsive to it. I, can I submit this to you? Faith is not what we have been taught. You know, you, you need to, we, we think faith is like this like missile that we, it's like a machine gun that we, that we grab and we exert human strength and by faith I take it. I say that, but get what I'm saying. I submit this to you that faith, all faith is, is resting. Faith is resting. Because faith simply appropriates that which has been done by grace. Faith is not like a machine gun that you grab, that you go and by faith, I'm going to take this private jet. I'm going to take this world. I'm going to take, I'm going to conquer the land. It's not like this weapon that we've been taught. You know, if you can just faith it, if you just faith it, you will have it. If you just faith it, you just faith it. And then you just like, you start to faith it so much that you end up getting a hernia. Faith is not like that. Faith is resting because faith is allocating the truth. Faith is resting. So the truth is it has been done. The truth is you are a new creation. So faith simply rests on what has been done by grace. Faith is Abraham. Grace is Sarah. When they are in relationship together, it produces 
the fruit of the Spirit, the promise, the promised one. It produces laughter. Isaac says, he made me, the, the name Isaac is he makes me laugh. He made me to laugh, is laughter. So faith is not, I'm faith in it. I'm going to just faith it. Faith and grace must work together. Because think about this. Abraham is a type of faith, right? Faith without Sarah produced Ishmael. Which we see the byproduct of the ongoing blood and war to this day. But when Abraham, faith, and Sarah come together, they produce Isaac, the promise of the Spirit. So faith is not this aggressive, like, I'm going to go and grab the bulls of the altar. Faith is to rest. You can literally interchange the word faith and rest. Because faith is saying, Lord, Father, I believe that everything has been finished by the work of Jesus Christ. That's grace. So faith is not you producing something. Someone paid for it. The only work that needed to be done was finished by Jesus. So it's done. That's grace. Faith believes that everything has been finished by Jesus. That's grace. Faith and grace always work together. Why am I saying this? Because as we get into Ephesians and as we continue this amazing journey, you realize that the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul by the Spirit begins to teach them their identity. He begins to teach them who they are. He begins to tell them they have been resurrected with Christ. He begins to tell them that, hey, you are seated at the right hand of God your Father. And then the last three chapters of Ephesians, he says, since, since you are resurrected with Christ, act this way. It's always the indicative before the imperative. It's always the identity before the commandment. Because you read Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6, and he has a lot to say about your conduct in this world. But he doesn't get into that until he takes the time to teach you your identity in Christ, to teach you about grace, to teach you the, the truth that it has been finished to teach you who you are. And when you know who you are, you will act the way that you are. You see, the reason why it's so difficult is because we're trying to do that or withhold that. But what we need to realize is who we are first. Identity. And this is how Paul always taught. He even with correcting the Corinthian church, he always taught them, hey, do you not realize that you are the temple of the living God? Therefore, abstain from fornication. It's always identity first. It's always telling them who they are in Christ. It's always telling them their position, who you are, where you are, because you are this, because you are seated in heavenly places, because of this, therefore, walk it out. Because you are a king, you are no more a pauper. You are no more a person from the hood. I was talking to Dre about this today, or the other day. And I'm like, you know, as a pastor, as a teacher, our objective really is to teach you your identity. It's like that movie, you ever watched Lion King? The I forgot the monkey's name, but the monkey comes down and because the lion cub is so afraid, so he, he grabs him, he takes him down to a water. The book of James says that the Bible is a mirror. So the monkey takes the little, little cubby down and he shows him his reflection, a mirror. And he says, listen, little cubby, 
your dad did die, but he is alive in you. And he makes him look at himself. Look, you are not a little scared cubby. Your father, that which you saw your father conquer in the jungle, he's alive in you. And his eyes were open to who he was. There's another movie that I like. I'm not going to mention the name because you'll get offended. But there was this guy, he got out of jail. And even though he was outside of jail, in his mind, he was still in jail. Make, do you get what I'm saying? In the spirit. We were in, in the prison called sin before we got born again. And now that we're born again, we still think we're in that prison. So in that movie that I watched, do you see that? In that movie that I watched, this man was in prison for 10, 15 years. And he came out of prison and he was still, he was still vigilant. He was still watching his bank. He, he was like, he, he was doing crazy like prison stuff that you don't do in society. And one of his friends says, listen, listen and, if you, and if you know this reference, then he said, listen, Damon. Someone's going to go look it up now. <laughs> he, said, he said, listen, Damon, you're not in prison anymore. This is not what we do. And, and that is the ultimate objective of Christianity, friend. We were, we were slaves. We were prisoners. Yes, you might have been possessed with a couple of devils. Like, like I, I think I was before I got saved. Some people still think I am, but, you know, that's to their opinion. <laughs> But before you got saved, you yes, we were in prison. Yes, we were slaves to sin. Yes, you were attached with curses, with demons, with darkness. The Bible says in Ephesians that, yes, you were once in darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. So walk as children of the light. And in the same exact way that in the lion came, the monkey had to come and, and shake up the lion, the baby cub, and make himself look into the mirror and say, reckon who you are. Remember what we started off with, Proverbs. As a man reckons within himself, so is he. he the monkey in the, in the movie, The Lion King, had to shake him up. Hey, sh hey, wake up. Ephesians says, awake thou that sleepest, and Christ will give you light. So the monkey, the monkey had to shake him up. Hey, listen, you are not afraid anymore. You are not a cub. You are not a little a cat. Your father, the one that you saw him conquer every single animal in this jungle, is alive in you. We are not in prison anymore, Damon. You are not a prisoner. Did you find it? <laughs> you are not a prisoner anymore. So this is the same exact thing. We were watching, uh, I believe it was Superbook. That'll help people who are more religious. <laughs> it was Superbook. And same exact thing. The Israelites were in prison. Which is a type in, you know, you know, Israel is a type of the church. So Israel was in prison and the Lord delivered them out of prison the taskmasters or the demons that were assigned to your life. Whipping you, go smoke that pen. Go smoke that weed. Go sleep with that person. Go watch this. Go lose your temper on this. Go sock this man in his face. Go do this. The demons were the taskmasters. Whipping you every single day. Go do this. Go do this. And you were enslaved. So in Superbook, the Israelites came out of Egypt and they were wandering in the wilderness. And I forgot the little kid's name, but he, but he was interviewing one of the people, one of the Israelites. And then the Israelites said something so profound that, that I still remember to this day. He said, well, the thing is that we've been enslaved for so long that we were taught what to do, what to eat, what time to go to bed, what to do, what not to do. That now that we are free, we don't know how to act. So in the same exact way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are not in prison anymore. You are not that person from the hood. This is what I was talking about, is that when we preach the gospel, 
afterwards to shepherd is to, is to renew our minds is, hey, the Bible says in Colossians, you have been redeemed from those vain traditions passed down from your mom and from your dad. Those vain traditions that brought you into bondage. You are not that person from the hood anymore. You are not that person who was a slave to fear anymore. You are not that person who was addicted to that nicotine pen anymore, bro. You are not addicted to that alcohol anymore. That is the old man. And you need to reckon yourself, consider that man dead. Because that is the truth. If you say no, you are in doubt and you fall. Why well, say yes, Anthony? Yes, but in your heart, you still act like the old man. So you're in doubt. Hebrews chapter 4 says, Because they didn't believe, because they were in unbelief, they will never enter into my rest. Faith is rest. Because faith is, I agree. I am a new creation. I am not from the hood anymore. I am not a pauper. I am not from those boonies in the Midwest anymore. I am a new creation in Christ. I am not addicted anymore. I am not enslaved to fear anymore. I am not this anymore. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's where confession comes because confession is, is as you speak it, that's you, you allow the Holy Spirit to confirm the truth because that is the truth. So in our hearts, if we, if I'm preaching to you, hey, you were dead, you were buried with him. And that old man was left in the grave. And when Christ resurrected, you resurrected with him. But you didn't resurrect at the same as the same person anymore. Jesus, when, his, when someone came up to him in the crowds and says, Hey, your mom and your brothers and sisters are here asking for you. And there was a crowd surrounding Jesus. You know what he said? Do you know what he said? In the midst of the crowd, he said, who is my mother? Who is my brothers and sisters? And he looked around and he said, these who follow the will of God, they are my mothers. They are my brothers. They are my sisters. It's harsh because you have to realize that you and I have been cut off from the Adamic nature, the nature of Adam which belonged to your old family. That's why if you like to stick with your family, something is wrong. You are still considering yourself alive in Adam. You're still not persuaded that you are a new creation. If you're continuously wanting to stick around with your family, that means you identify with them instead of your brothers and sisters here in Christ. Do you know what I'm saying? There comes a point in your life where you need to leave, where you need to cut it off because you are not in Adam anymore. You are not a slave anymore. You are not in prison anymore, Damon. Why are you hanging out with the prisoners? Why are you hanging out in prison? Why are you why are you considering yourself alive with your old family? If you are saying that, you can be a new creation in the spirit, but all your manifestation is going to be of the cursed nature. Because you are saying in your heart, I am not a new creation. So faith rests. Faith is I believe what the word says, therefore I act so. If the Bible says that I have been made rich, I will act rich. I'm not acting rich to get rich because that's unbelief. I'm acting rich because it is so. And if a feeling of fear, lust, temptation, anger, rage, envy, pride, bitterness comes knocking at my door, guess what I'm going to do? Nothing. Zero. Nada. Why? Because in the same exact illustration that if a devil goes and starts to and starts to entice a dead man in a cemetery, that dead man is unresponsive. You and I are unresponsive to sin. That is rest. That is to ignore it. Because the way when you engage it, you are saying it's alive. Am I speaking English here? So let's go to Ephesians. We left off in chapter 2. Let's go to verse, yes, verse 8. So we left off in chapter 2. We went through verse 7. I want to focus on verse 8 and 9. It says this, For by grace are you saved through faith. 
What, what was I just talking about right now? This is all the Lord because honestly, this I, I didn't plan the first 30 minutes. What does this say, Dre? For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith and grace we've been talking about is always together. Faith is resting in what has been done by grace because grace is, is it is finished. So you are saved by grace through faith. You rest in the truth that you are a new creation and it is done. It is finished. So you are no more to engage in warfare. In fact, the more that you ignore those symptoms, they go away. And the more that you engage those symptoms, the stronger they get. Where's that in the Bible? Romans chapter 8. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you, through the Spirit, through rest, through grace, it's interchangeable. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you will live. This is very identical to, to where it says in Deuteronomy. Live Life or death. I've given you life. I've given you death. You choose. Romans chapter 8 is the same exact thing. If you live after the flesh, if you try, if you are saying that you are still alive to those feelings, to poverty, to insecurity, to fear, to lust, to addiction, if you are saying I'm alive to those things, you will die. But if you through the spirit of grace, through grace, through faith, if you through grace do put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How to put to death the deeds of the body, answer, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, through resting. Why? Because when you rest, you are bearing witness what I, with what I just talked about in the previous episode. What was that, Anthony? The truth that you are seated in heavenly places. Question, if you are seated in heavenly places, why are you getting up in your heart? But when you sit down, when you have a posture of seated, of being enthroned, you are bearing witness with the truth. But Anthony, the feelings are so strong. Yes, but they are lying to you. They want you to get up. Stay sitting down. In the Old Testament, when the Egyptians were running after the Israelites and Moses cried out to the Lord, what was his answer? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, the Yeshua. Stand still. You know how hard it must have been, Dre, for them to stand still when you had Egyptians running at you with chariots? That's faith. The answer to the feelings that were running at them, to the Egyptians that were running at them, was to stand still. Which which is exactly what Romans chapter eight says. If you after if you walk after the flesh, if you try if you exert effort, you will die because you're saying they're alive, which is not the truth. But if you stand still, if you remain seated, because that's your position in the spirit, we are seated in heavenly places. If you stand, if you stay seated, which is, which is why grace is so important. If you sit down, if you stand still, if you realize that I am seated and it has been finished and these feelings are there to shake me up. This is the number one attack of the enemy is to shake you up. The Bible says that every single time Israel, which is a type of the church, every single time that they were in resting places, which is the Hebrew word is, uh, I believe it's like Rehoboth. Every time they were in resting places, the Amalekites came to attack them. The name Amalekite, the root word for Amalekite is Amal. And Amal means painful toil. Painful toil, feelings of work, feelings of anxiety, feelings of it is not finished will always come to attack you when you are in your resting place. The answer to overcome that, stand still. Stay seated. And God himself will put your enemies under your foot. The Bible says in Acts, he says, sit down and I, 
God said, I, your father, your father, I want you to envision this, imagine this. Your father is telling you, Drea, sit down and I will make your enemies your footstool. Your responsibility is to sit down and I, the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. I will make your enemies your footstool. Your responsibility is not to work. Your responsibility is not to worry. Your responsibility is not to get restless. Your responsibility is not to engage in your mind, in your thought life. Your responsibility is to remain at rest. Sit down and I will make your enemies your footstool. So does that make sense now Why, when, I, when I say when those feelings come up, if you respond to them, in essence, you're getting up. That's the name of the game. This is the name of the battle. Is rest or not rest? Because when you rest, God your Father, who cannot lie, He said He will make your enemies your footstool. So when you get up in your heart, when you begin to painful toil, when you, the Bible calls it, in, calls it in Hebrews, an evil heart is a heart of unbelief, is an evil heart. It is, I'm working internally. I've been there. He just sits there and says, well, I'm, I said... If you would just sit down, I will make your enemies your footstool. I said that if you would just rest, you would deaden the deeds of the body and you will live. I said if you walk after your effort, you will die. So just sit down and rest and realize who you are in Christ. By grace are you saved through faith. And this is, and I'm taking time to break this down because this is in essence what Roman, what uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 is talking about. By grace are you saved through faith. And we say this and we think about this in a, in a immature death, meaning we only think this is, this pertains to your initial salvation. But Colossians, which I recommend you guys reading Ephesians and Colossians together during the study because at the end of Ephesians, Paul by the Spirit says, read the epistle that was written to this other church, which many Bible teachers believe it was Colossians. So if you read Colossians and you read Ephesians, they almost are saying the same exact thing. They're a great study, like twins, Colossians and Ephesians. So we're, we're looking at these two verses and we're meditating on these two verses today. By grace are you saved. I'm talking about grace. I'm talking about resting. I'm talking about what it means, what faith actually means. And I'm trying to be as practical to apply these things into your personal life for continuous victory, for remaining in that position of being enthroned because that is the truth. So by grace are you saved. That word saved, remember, means it's a sozo or soteria, that, that is the noun, sozo is the verb, and that means it's not just being saved from hell, it's healing, deliverance, wholeness, preservation, protection, blessing, prosperity, success. It means all around wholeness, to be complete. That's what it says in Colossians, for you are complete in him. Question, if you are complete in him, what are you trying to work for? You see, but human nature is, I need to do something. Are you saying that I don't have to do anything? It's hard to receive a gift sometimes, isn't it? Like if I buy Drea something, if I, if I just buy her a new G-Wagon, I say, here you go, baby. Her human nature is going to be like, I, well, I, well, you know, how much was it? I, I, I don't, like, you know, uh, and it's like, no, you just say thank you. I love you. I want to bless you. You are my jewel. Here you go. But it's hard because 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 the the nature within us is like I need to I need to do something to deserve it. That's that's instinctive of the human nature. But realize that the Bible says you are complete in Christ. So by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. That word save is not only your initial salvation saved from hell, but this is the everyday walk. 
How, where is that in the Bible, Anthony? Colossians, which many Bible scholars would say, these are twins. The Bible says, in the same exact way that you received Christ is the same way that you walk in him. Many churches want to talk about your walk. What the Bible says in, the same ex in Colossians, the same exact way that you received him is the same exact way that you walk in him. The old English says, as you have received him, so ye walk in him. How did you receive him? By grace. You put faith. Someone preached to you. Someone witnessed to you and told you of the truth and of the truth of grace that it is finished. And you believed and that's how you're saved. In the same exact way, I preach to you. I jump on this mic and I say, listen, you are complete in Christ. You are the righteousness of God. You have been made a king, a priest. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, every single thing has become new. You are not a pauper. You have not been given the spirit of fear or anxiety, but of power of love. And you have a sound mind. You have the mind of Christ. By his stripes, you were healed. You are now one flesh with Christ. As he is, so are you in this world. And now your, your response is, I believe. You say it's complete, I rest. That's faith. And the manifestation will be there. That's grace and faith working together. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. This is on an everyday basis. Every single day we live by grace through faith. As you received him, so ye walk in him. And the Bible says, not of works, lest any man should boast. For example, if you're trying to get rich, that is you working to produce riches. Wait a minute, Anthony. Are you saying I don't work? Listen to what I'm saying. This, listen to the spirit of what I am saying. In your heart, if you see yourself down here and then you are trying to get to point B, which is rich, and you see yourself at point A, which is not rich. If you see yourself at not rich and you're trying to get rich, the Bible calls that works. But if you see yourself, remember, what did we open up with? Proverbs 23, verse 7. As, you, as a man thinks in his heart, as you believe, that's why Christianity is all about right believing. As you believe in your heart, so are you. But if you, if you go from, I think I'm not rich, and I'm working to get rich, hoping one day I'll be rich, that's called works. Because then what's going to happen is that you are going to boast subconsciously that it was your diligence. It was your networking. It was your... And then you start being an arrogant prick and going on YouTube and writing books on how I became successful. Where is the grace of God? Where is Jesus? And his finished work. But instead, if you work your job from a position of the truth that you have been made a king, that you have been made rich, and in your heart you work from that completion, riches will start to flow like nothing, like you've never seen before. And because you are rich, you tithe without asking me if it's gross or net. Because you are rich, you give to festivals, to crusades, to people going to Uganda, to missionaries. You give to toy drives. You give to people going overseas to Latin America. You give to people going overseas to Europe to preach the gospel. You give, you tithe out of the spirit of completion. You become generous because you are rich. 
But if you think you're not rich, how can you be generous if you are thinking that you can't afford to bless this person with whatever it is? But because you realize only by revelation that you are rich, of course. Who cares about a $10 freaking latte in on in LA on Melrose? Who cares about me giving a thousand dollars to this missionary for him doing whatever he needs to do? Who cares about me buying a a freaking warehouse for a church that needs to meet in there? Who cares about me do donating five hundred dollars worth of sweaters for the poor that are cold on the East Coast? Because I'm rich. But Anthony, I don't see it in my account. You are walking by sight. But you believe first and the manifestation comes next. But you must believe in the finished work by grace through faith. And Romans says it the same exact way. And I love that. And I don't want to turn there because I'm not going to be able to stop. But Romans, what I'm talking about, that's what it says in Romans. The Bible says in Romans that the inheritance that we have the bible look it up for yourself the bible says therefore it is of faith resting that it might be by grace jesus did it to the fulfillment of the inheritance the bible says you want your inheritance yes anthony i do it is of faith that it might be by grace to the fulfillment of the inheritance. Romans chapter 5 or 4. Check it out. Talking about the seed of Abraham. The inheritance that he had. The riches. The influence. It is of faith that it might be by grace. And we're talking about these two scriptures. It is by grace that you are saved. It is by grace that you are healed. I want to close it in with this. It is by grace that you are saved. That, that word saved is delivered. We talked about prosperity. It is by grace that you are prospered through faith. It is by grace that you are healed. That's what the word sozo, it includes healing. It is by grace that you are healed through faith. I'll give you this illustration. The other, last week, I, I had multiple symptoms. I had one symptom in my mouth. I had a freaking toothache bothering the crap out of me on my upper left tooth. And then I had a pain in my throat. And for three days, I kept saying, I kept rebuking it. I kept trying to do something about it. I kept, you know, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. All these things. And guess what? They never went away. <laughs> you know what I did? I said, screw it. I said, I give up. I let it go. And they're gone. Healed. How? By resting. Because I'm, you see, what, what was I doing before? I was working by subconsciously trying, trying to be healed. I am the healed, but I'm trying to be healed. So am I really healed? I was acting as a sinner trying to get healed instead of acting as the righteousness of God in Christ who is healed. Let's do one more, Dre. For by grace are you saved, sozo. For by grace are you delivered. If there is an addiction you're battling with, how are you saved? How are you delivered? By going, by calling many ministers, by getting anointing oil, by going to deliverance sessions, by going to revival meetings and having this man of God lay hands on you, this man of God lay hands on you, that man of God lay hands on you, this woman of God lay hands on you. Because this is, this is the norm in Christianity. There's a problem, and I've been there, so I'm not speaking out of condemnation. I'm speaking out of compassion because that, that was me. For the longest, I would just go around and around and around and around and around and around of a mountain. And even to this day, sometimes I still end up like trying. I, I end up trying, and then I end up falling. And then I'm like, all right, I go back to rest. Remember where you have fallen from. Remember where you lost a piece. Remember when you began to work. So by grace, are you sozoed? Are you delivered? So how to receive that deliverance is by reckoning it so. 
So if you have this addiction, and I know it's going to be difficult in the beginning, but the minute that you rest, the minute that you like give up, and it it's honestly, I, I don't know how to how to convey this, but a lot of the times it takes us banging our head on the wall so many times. Like Jacob. It takes us wrestling. I can do it. I can. And then you get sober for a week and then you go back only for it to be two times worse. I'm going to refrain my eyes from going on this website. I'm going to refrain my eyes from smoking that. I'm going to refrain my eyes from blowing up on my wife, on my husband. I'm going to refrain myself from uh, blowing up on my children. I'm going to refrain myself from doing all these crazy things. And it may work for three days, but then it blows up. Why? Because you are, you are, ex you are exerting effort. You are putting yourself under the law. And the Bible says where the law is, there is death. The Bible says when the law comes in, sin becomes exceedingly sinful. So you are trying too hard. You are trying to make yourself free when the truth is you are free. By your effort trying to make yourself free, you are in doubt and you fall. Does that it's very subtle, but does that make sense? Yeah. So when those feelings of addiction come, you know, you in, and I'm telling you, you within, and I know the Holy Spirit's going to help you with this, but you within are saying, well, you know, here it comes. I'm an addict trying to get sober, so I fight. And when you fight, you fall. The fight of faith. What did I say you can interchange faith with? Rest. The fight of rest. This is the fight of Christianity. You are seated. We're talking about being enthroned. You are seated. You are a new creation in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are seated at the right hand of God. Everything in the freaking world, in your feelings, in your freaking head, they're going to scream at you. You are not new. You are not seated. You are. You need to work. You need to do that. You need to. You need to write these resolutions. You need to stop. You need to do this. You need to stop doing that. You need to stop doing that. And the more you put yourself under the law, the more sin becomes exceedingly sinful. Why? Because you are saying the Bible is not true. I'm not saying that. You, 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 we, we, see, we do it. I've been there. I've been there. You, I'm telling you because I'm speaking from experience. You see, the Lord anoints ministers and allows them to go through certain rough seasons. So in the rough seasons... There is treasures in there. That's why Paul said, do not be faint for my tribulation, which is for your glory. Samson destroyed the lion. And when his family came back inside that victory, inside the conquest, the lion that was tore apart, there was honey. And Samson grabbed the honey and fed the entire family. A minister gets anointed. And goes through tribulations. And in the tribulations is where the honey comes out and it feeds the family. That's why you honor the fivefold ministry. So I want to end with this. that, And you can apply this in your, whatever it is, whether it's deliverance, whether it's emotions, whether it's addictions, whether it's doubt. Like you, the, you have to understand... I, I'm trying my best, is he trying? But I'm trying my best to explain this in English is when we rest, we win, okay? When we rest, we win. When we work, we lose. Very simple. When we rest, we win. When we ignore, we win. When we engage, we lose. When we pray against those things, when we start to become obsessed, I've been there, trust me, ask my wife. When I become so freaking obsessed with that feeling of fear, oh my gosh, it's like a freaking giant. But when that feeling comes up and I simply ignore it and it takes, it, there's like a pressure in the beginning, but the Holy Spirit is there, brother, to lift you up like on wings on eagles, when you in, when you begin to resist by ignoring that feeling, the Holy Spirit is there and He will lift you out of that temptation. But when you begin to engage it, you will fall. So I want to continue with this, but I believe that this was an amazing session. And I know of a fact that the Lord Jesus has healed and delivered a lot of people. Because the truth is, you are already healed. You are already delivered. But you just needed someone like a monkey <laughs> to say, my friend, look in the mirror. 
this is who you are. And when you think that way, when you reckon yourself that way, you are walking in the light. You are walking in the truth. I'll see you guys in the next one. Hey guys, we want to thank you for tuning in. We pray that this quickened your heart. If you'd like to give a one-time or become a monthly partner, visit our website and hit that Give Now button up at the top. We thank you in advance and pray that you continue to receive everything God has already given you by grace through faith.